Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Uh, holy shit, it is dark in here. I'm going to I'm gonna put on <laughs> some lights. As Batman's we, uh, over. Lighten it up. No more noir. Yeah. We have seen the Batman. We don't need to go full noir here. Uh, but we do need to talk about something very important that happened today. Uh, Matt Penny, yep. are you excited that Tom Brady is back? Oh, I'm is excited. I had, so, I, I had so much stuff going on because I'm watching the Selection Sunday show and I'm prepping for this. And also while this is going on, Kevin Garnett's number is getting retired by the Celtics. So yeah, big the, Boston day. The, so the selection show happens. I, I got my brackets. I'm making my notes, my little picks, some some betting things here and there. And Tom Brady tweets out his thing. So like four people send me the post, and it's just like not now, dude. Can we just wait like a day or like four hours? Like I, I got to do this KG, and then people's hot takes on Villanova, Delaware. It, it's just a lot to handle. He's just a guy who can't walk away. It's like the. Yeah, Eminem song until I collapse. I, I think he literally has to collapse to be like, yeah, I'm done. He's just got the he's got the vibe, man. He's got the vibe in his veins. Can't, can't pull him out of there too fast. Well, the most important question here is, will Tom Brady's 40-day retirement, it was something like 40 days, I feel like, uh, will this inspire Coach K to come back, to run it back, he announced his retirement. Maybe he's not ready to give it up. Uh, no, you saw the press no. conference uh, where he was like a helicopter parent with Wendell Moore while Wendell Moore was giving like a great answer uh, to a question. He was like, let me talk now. Uh, he's, he doesn't seem ready. I don't know, man. Like, he he might seems... be based off, and we'll get into it, but based off the path that the NCAA tournament given, gave him, he, he might be on his, his way out with a, with a win here, with a victory. But you don't want to leave on a, a poor note. And for Brady, he had a great drive, and it fell short. When he was at the Patriots, I think it was like a pick six was his last pass or something like that to get knocked out. It was like he's not leaving on that note. I don't think Coach K wants to necessarily leave on the bad taste of his mouth of losing at home to North Carolina with 96 former players there. See crazier stuff. I, I, I'm not going to roll it out, man. Post-2020, anything's possible. Nothing's off the board in Vegas for what can go down anymore. We will uh, we will talk about Duke here momentarily, but obviously it's Selection Sunday. We are excited to talk about the bracket. We're going to look at it from an NBA focus. We're going to look at it from a college basketball focus, kind of break down everything you need to know uh, going into Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, everything that we're going to get here coming up Beautiful. here because this tournament uh, starts in a couple of days, and that couldn't be more exciting to me. Uh, okay. What was your biggest takeaway? Like, let's just start there. I mean, what 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 is kind of your immediate takeaway upon watching this bracket reveal show? Because uh, for me, it felt like it felt like there are two clear teams at the top, and then there are maybe you know eight or ten teams in that next tier, uh, including Kansas and Baylor, who are the other two number one and uh, number one seeds, along with Gonzaga and Arizona, who I do think are the top two seeds. Where are you at in terms of just this conference or this college basketball tournament? Because I feel like it has potential to be just an absolute shit show in the best possible way. I'm rooting for that. And first off, I do want to credit the selection show because they got right to it. Seth Davis said, do the picks, go. There's a year or two where Charles Barkley is fumbling over it. And if you're on the bubble, like your your nerves, your blood pressure is skyrocketing. Like, let's just get to the picks. The number one thing is I'm excited, like you are. We we talk about this all year long. It's it's the best time of year, and there's so much parity, just like the draft at, at the top, at the middle, and there could be some upsets all around. 
I didn't love some of the mid-major pairing against each other. There's a few seeds based off conference tournaments, champions, championships, I'm sorry, where you wonder if the selection committee, like, took into account the Sunday games at all? Or is this thing, yeah. like, done? It was already, like, in your uh Or your even drafts. Like Saturday night. Sure. Yeah. It's like the draft or email. It just, like, was auto-sent out at, at 5 p.m. I, I don't know. So there, there's always going to be complaining about that. I, I don't know if the metrics have kind of changed on last four in and the bubble and if Tennessee should be a two or three. I'll, I'll never understand the complete sports science behind that thing. But overall, I'm, I'm just ready to see some games for the next four or five days in a row. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, even though I have to wake up at 4 a.m. Yeah. So what's so, so what's that what's that mode for you? Because you really now if you don't want to, well, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're fine. What do you do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Australia in a completely different time zone on the other side of the world here? Up at 4 a.m. Up oh. at 4 a.m. to watch basketball. Coffee. Red Bull. I'm, I'm ready to go, basically. Uh-huh. Like mainline and coffee. There's not really another option. Um, you know, if I want to live in Australia, this is the sacrifice I make that I have to wake yeah. up at 4 o'clock in the morning for four days a week, uh, you know, or four days per year. I'm sorry. Um yeah, you know, every year. And even last year, there was a one of the four days. It was it was not the Loyola, Illinois second round game. I woke up and watched that one. It was the other second round day. The first matchup on the Sunday was like or the Saturday, whichever day it was, was not amazing. So I was like, well, you know, like, do I need to wake up? I woke up at like, you know, 530 or whatever, because they they tend to give those windows only one game those early windows right. on Saturday yeah. and Sunday. First half hour anyway. Right. So I was just like, you know, like I, I can catch the second half of this. I can do like a 5, 5.30 a.m. And look, you're typically up at 5, 5.30. Like Avery's got you awake at all hours. <laughs> like if you can do I'm it, I can do it. I'm though, man. I'm programmed for it now. I never would yeah. have dreamed of being up this early this consistently. One thing I do like too is last year, I'm just glad they had the tournament and it was like the bubble and there was some family right. there wearing masks in the stands. Now there's some sense of normalcy where I grew up with the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you looked forward to those first two days during the week. It was like upside down last year. I think it started like on the weekend, right? Then it starts Saturday, Sunday. Was it Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Friday, Saturday? I think it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or something mm. like that. So it's back yeah. to the traditional model, which is which is great for everybody too. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the bubble and the teams that got in that didn't get in? It was – it's weird. Like, I don't think we can complain about, like, if you're Dayton, if you're Xavier, if you're Wake Forest, if you're Texas A&M, like, I feel like you can't really complain. Like, there was just a lot of similar teams on the bubble that, you know, maybe they could have gotten in, maybe they couldn't have gotten in. And who knows, right? Maybe, you know, maybe we should have seen SMU in the tournament. Maybe we should have seen Oklahoma in the tournament. But I don't know. Like, I, I just can't really get up in arms this year about it. I'm not up in arms. It, it does have to sting because when I was at UMass, we are on the wrong side of the bubble twice. And this is one of 64 teams, were not you? 68. So we were probably would have been that first four in Dayton to play. For Dayton, it, it has to sting knowing that your own league couldn't take care of business. That if Davidson right. beat Richmond, they would have been in. Richmond's a bid stealer. I'm happy for those guys. I'm, I'm happy for Chris Mooney. And Jacob Gilliard and Grant Golden, who are as old as you and I and still living the dream playing right. college basketball, and God bless them. My my one soapbox thing I want to talk about here is the automatic bids for teams that win their conference championship. Oh, if you win it. your conference tournament, they should not be playing in the first four in Dayton. 
or as I like to call it, the tournament before the tournament, because it's not really like officially there yet. Those teams earned yeah. it. They cut down the nets. They danced at confetti. Just because they're a low major school doesn't mean they need another game to prove that they should then get to the start of the tournament. Reserve the bubble, reserve the first four, whatever you want to call it, for the actual bubble teams, for Texas A&M, for Notre Dame, Wyoming, Oklahoma, whoever it is. Make those programs prove through one more game that's all they needed for their resume to push them over the hump to get in. That's fine. And oftentimes they do. 2011, VCU went first four to final four. UCLA did it last year. Low majors need love too, man. If you're going to throw them in as number 16 seeds, let them enjoy winning their conference tournament without having to scout another like-minded team. Have them worry about playing Arizona day one. Have them worry about playing Kansas. They shouldn't be worrying about playing Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. I, I just That part has never really made sense to me. No, in theory, I agree with you. I would prefer those teams to get in. The argument that I think even some people like in the conference administration that those leagues – you know, are in and are a part of would make is that if you win one of those games, you get a full NCAA tournament unit. Like you get yes, like full right. money and, for winning. And, an and that's like the game. behind the scenes administration. Like right. let's make sure we're getting the bag. Totally understand that part of it too. And, and a lot of these schools are using basketball and, and buy games. We're getting a hundred thousand dollars to go play at high majors during the year to fund the rest of the athletic program. And I'm, I'm sympathetic right. to that. I, I get that they have different needs than, a traditional mid to high major. I just want those kids to get like a little bit of shine and, and not worried about playing another team before they go play one of the top four teams in the country. Yeah, no, like the, the idea of it is definitely what I, like I agree with like the idea of it. I think you're hundred percent right on that. It's just like, it, there is like an interesting administrative behind the scenes, like monetary function. Also like these teams get like Peter kiss on Tuesday oh, or Wednesday night. I don't Starting know early. when Bryant plays. Peter Kiss is going to be a fucking superstar for a night. Well, like, su- and there's going to be su- no su- game su- up against him. Slash villain, right? Because yeah, totally. a- a- as Americans, as college basketball fans, we can act like we don't like it. We want to see a villain. We want to root against a guy. We we have been bred and born and raised to hate JJ Redick, to hate Marshall Henderson, to hate Grayson <laughs> Allen, and now you're hating Peter Kiss, who is so hated. He was not, he led the nation scoring 25 points per game, 30 yeah. plus points per game his last 10 or 11. He was not voted as conference player of the year. They're the number one seed in the Northeast Conference. Alex Crazy. Morales from, from Wagner had a great year. Nothing against him. This kid leads the nation scoring, but it has such this negative vibe from other teams and schools. And you get it when you watch him play. Every dunk's like a, a swear, a, a flip off, a this, a, a, it's, it's all too much. But He's you're gonna watch. Up. I'm gonna watch that game. Some, sometimes the first four, I'm like, ah, I got it on the background. I'm not really. In, I'm into it. I'm gonna turn it into Bryant Wright State. No doubt about it. Oh, I'm ready. Like I, I am like full on ready for people to like. This is the first time that 95 percent of people that have watched like or that are gonna watch that game will have seen Peter Kiss. They are in for an experience. Like, oh, it so is like be... was he on? Was he on Quinnipiac? Yeah. Did he play at Rutgers? Yeah. So he's he's there. He's 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 a fifth year senior. He averaged thirty games. Just 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 let him go. Just let him rock. Like yeah. there's no other no other way to go about it. Just gotta let him go. Um. Okay. Let's. Uh. Did you want to talk about any of the? I, I will say, like, I think that Texas A and M and Wake Forest, like, I think those two teams are good basketball teams. Right. I don't think that you can look like in terms of the way that the committee seeds and selects teams. I don't think Wake Forest really has much of a case. I don't think that Texas A&M can complain given that I think they went like three and 10 against quadrant, quadrant one teams this year. But like, I, I just, 
like I, I would like to see those two teams in. Like I'd love to see Jake Laravia and Alondis yeah. Williams. Like the, the, I think Texas A and M is playing awesome basketball right now. Um, like I, I would love to see Oklahoma in as well. Um, you know, you look at look at you know Groves and you look at Quentin Jackson and you know you can pick and choose all these guys. I'd love to see North Texas in. Like, have you? I don't know how much North Texas you've watched this year, but it's similar boat to last season where they are just hyper elite on defense. They're tough as fuck. They're physical. Like, I, I would have loved to have seen Grant McCasland get in. Like, he should be like Grant McCasland should be at the top of basically any team in the SEC Big Twelve that has a opening. He should be at yeah. the top of their list. He's fucking phenomenal. But yeah, like, right. I, I just I, I think that. Would I have preferred to see those teams in over Rutgers, you know, Indiana to an extent, et cetera? Probably, but like I, I just can't, I can't get up in arms about it. it there, it's, there, there weren't enough of separation, and, and selfishly for me, I just want to see the most prospects too for those kind of bubblish teams because yeah. I don't have like a, a vested interest in. Man, I can't believe Oklahoma is this way and Texas A&M is this way. Right. I was, I was hyped up when Texas A&M won and. Buzz Williams was giving a speech about the Matrix and like the red blue, red pill and the blue pill. I'm like, man, we are definitely in March if we're going Matrix analogies before the conference semifinals. Oh, but 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 I don't think any of them really had a reasonable enough case where I'm like, this is ludicrous. Rip up the bracket. There's right. a been some miscarriage of justice here. Right. Like Xavier lost ten of their last fourteen games. Like, don't yeah. lose ten of your last fourteen. I mean, that, that's kind of what it comes down to. Dayton lost to UMass Lowell and uh, a couple of other like terrible teams to start the year. Don't lose those games. It's kind of that simple to me. Um, okay. Do you want to go region by region? Do you yeah, want to go? That. Okay, region, let's go region easy. by region. Yeah. We'll start in the West region, which is the Gonzaga region. Uh, I am thrilled. Like people are kind of talking like Gonzaga got like an easier region and that um duke has like the easiest region i don't really agree with that all that much uh i think georgia state is weirdly like look gonzaga is going to beat georgia state probably but like georgia state is a stronger 16 seed than what you typically see um memphis is a bad matchup for gonzaga if they end up playing memphis in the second round like that is there, there are some like landmines here for Gonzaga, in my opinion, that make it really, really interesting to track. There's some like toughness landmines too. Like Memphis, yep. Jalen Duran is tough. If if UConn gets out of their pod, like UConn is tough. Texas Tech is Arkansas down below. Is tough. They're tough. Arkansas is tough. Uh, Duke is going to fight you. Michigan State wants to have it be a rock fight. There's not an easy route per se for Gonzaga, yep. but it, it is intriguing, and I know. We always, and I mean that collectively as sort of draft people here, we always look ahead to like the second round matchups and be like, man, we got Chet and Jalen Dern. It's like that's not yep. necessarily always going to happen. And I remember two years ago, right. I was so excited for Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State. All I got to do, they win a game. Tennessee wins a game against CQ. It doesn't happen, right? Like Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, we didn't get to do it. I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but but I am intrigued by it because as they play Memphis, you have Chet Holmgren, who's presumably a top three pick. Jalen Dern started the year kind of that top five-ish range, bumped down. Now he's playing really good basketball. He's rebounding. He's blocking shots around the floor. Now it's kind of that upper tier level. That would be a, a better opportunity, I'd say, for Jalen Duran to prove than it would be Chet to prove that he should be in the mix for one of those top bigs taken off the board. Yeah, and 
You know, let, let's not really focus on the Gonzaga Georgia State matchup, although I'm thrilled to see Chet Holmgren and those guys get to face a fun team in Georgia State that will like challenge them defensively. Um, the Boise State Memphis matchup is actually going to be like a fun rock fight like that. It's going to be like first to 55 wins that game. <laughs> but I like that kind of like a reverse Elam ending. You, you know what, though? Like, at Boise, like Boise is a freshman, Tyson Deganhart. Yeah, that is he's really, really good. good. Yeah, like really like a potential pro down the road. Um, like, and that kid is from Spokane. Like, if I was Mark, I'd be like walking over to him after the game, being like, "Hey, how's it going?" No, how, no, that, going, that's Tyson? that's like the uh, that's the handshake. Go to steal line, him from your old exactly. assistant. I think an athletic article wrote about that early in the year. I forget who the author is. It escapes me, and I'm sorry. But like mid-major coaches, like we don't want to go through handshake lines because a high-major coach will whisper something into their ear. Like that's a that's a perfect one. And I laugh when these pairings come out because the committee, you think they know what they're doing, just like a little bit with some of the clues and breadcrumbs. Yeah. And a guy transferred to one school and he's playing the other one. They're smarter than we give them credit for sometimes. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing about Boise. Like we just mentioned, uh, freshman, right? Like Boise's old. They're tough as hell. Abu Kijab is a guy that uh, has yep. been impressive this season and, you know, is going to get his looks from the NBA. Marcus Shaver is a really old guard. Emmanuel mm-hmm. Acott started Arizona. He's a senior. I think he's like 24 years old. Um, Laden Armas is, you know, a senior. He's very old. Uh, this is, this is a tough Boise State team that plays really physical basketball. Uh, and Memphis plays really physical basketball. I mean, much has been made over the last couple of days of the fact that, um, Going into today, at least, I don't know what happened with the Houston game in terms of where the numbers ended up, but uh, since Imani Bates has left Memphis, Memphis has been the second best team in college basketball, yeah. uh, according to the Torvik rankings. And they're really good. Like, they're really, really tough. And that is that is a difficult matchup for Boise. It's a difficult matchup uh, for Gonzaga if they end up getting that far. They figured out how to get the most out of Landers Nolly. They figured out how to kind of string together enough point guard play. Uh, they're physical. They're strong. They're long. They're athletic. I mean, it, it's a Memphis is a really good basketball team. Yeah, they're, they've put it together at the, at the right time, too. And I remember the press conference early in the year when Penny Hardaway said, we're young, we're young. Well, Boise State's really old. And Memphis has turned it on. They, they didn't beat Houston today. But like you said, analytically and metrically speaking, they're as good as anybody this second half of the year. No chance that Money Bates comes back and plays, right? I If he wants to come back, I would not play him. Yeah. Like I, I would – like if he wants to come back, he's sitting on the bench for me. I mean, he we look. You and I have talked about him. On no, we've talked about it, but just like now in the tournament, I don't. I don't know if all, all bets are off now, or like he's the the back issues done. I, I don't know, and I'm not trying to speculate. I'm just asking your opinion on it. You and I have talked about him quite a bit this year, and the kind of consensus that we came to was he's a negative basketball player in a college basketball setting right now. He is horrible on defense. Like, let, let's just call it what it is. He's absolutely horrible. I saw an article from someone at Yahoo earlier this week that said he was like a plus defender. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. He he is yeah. atrocious on defense right now. Uh, shot selection is really, really bad for Imani. And look, if he was willing to come in and be like an offensive spark plug, I don't know. Like, I, I, I wouldn't want the hassle. If no, I was meant to put the, it that the, way. The, yeah, we can move on from there. But the sum is better than its parts. That's the way it's been lately. Yeah. And just play Josh Minot more. Okay, so. It, <laughs> and this is not, pleasure. look, and I want to be clear. Like, this is not me, like, saying that Imani Bates' his career is over and, like, he's done. Like, no, no, he's no. 17 years old and he's not ready to play, or he's 18 now. But, like, he's not ready to play college basketball yet. 
it's okay. Young guys take a lot of time. He was thrown in and thrust into a very difficult environment. Um, and I think he'll be better for having gone through this experience, but right now he's not ready and that's okay. Um, and by the way, like this Memphis team, Tyler Harris is 23 years old. Landers oh. Nolly is 22 years old. DeAndre eight or DeAndre Williams. I'm sorry. Is 25 years uh, old. Yeah. That's a good one. Like, you know, Lester Canones is 21 years old. This is an older basketball team. Alex Lomax is 22. I mean, uh, you know, we can talk about, you know, Boise maybe having the experience edge and they've played together longer, but Memphis is full of like men in Veterans. a way that they're not going to back down in any sort of capacity. And if we get the Jalen Duran Chet Holmgren matchup, please, I need it. Like that oh, would yeah. be fantastic. But th- that's honestly one of the second round matchups that I would look forward to most. Um, I think it's a 50 50 game, whether or not Memphis gets past Boise. Boise is really good. But if we get that, yeah. you know, uh, Jalen Duran and Chet Holmgren and all of those tough wings for Memphis against Gonzaga, that's one of the matchups I'm most looking forward to if we can get it. Yeah, that's where I am too. Uh, moving down, we have Connecticut, New Mexico State. We have Arkansas, Vermont. Uh, I've seen Arkansas versus Vermont as like a kind of a popular upset pick. Uh, Vermont just blew through the America East tournament, winning all of their games by like 30 points. 30. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, even, that, even that last game, I thought it'd be closer. I think it was 28 or 30 or, or something nuts. Yeah, just insane. I, I'll be interested in that game for sure. I think that's actually like a – if you remember last year, Arkansas struggled in the first half with Colgate and then kind of turned it on oh, late. But I do remember. That I think game. this is a different team. Like I think this is just a much more physical, stronger team. I don't know that. I don't know that I see like Vermont being able to really match up athletically at the wings with Arkansas now that Odious Tony is uh, back and now that Stanley Amude is like playing full time. Like that's going to be kind of a tough wing matchup I feel like but I will say this like Ryan Davis who is Vermont's best player and center and like you know not the most athletically explosive guy in the world necessarily like him against Jalen Williams like Jalen Williams is one of the few guys that like he might be able to actually manage a little bit Vermont's going to try to dictate the pace and the tempo and despite scoring all these points they can play slower and play in the half court Arkansas is a little bit different team away from Bud Walton Arena we saw that in the SEC tournament are those guys going to be able to adapt and, and come out quickly? That's a, a lower point spread, too, for a 413. Five and a half points isn't crazy. So I think a lot of people are on to the same thing we're saying, too. Uh, Connecticut plays New Mexico State. This New Mexico State team's kind of weird in a lot of ways. They went under the radar for a yeah. like, New Mexico State, Chris Jans team that you know is tournament tested and has been around for a while now. Um, Teddy Allen's definitely a great scorer. I, I don't. I don't know that I think they're going to give Connecticut a ton of problems, to be honest, but uh, I'm intrigued, at least in the matchup. Yeah, and that game is in Buffalo as well. So for UConn yeah. and UConn fans, it's not a home game, but that's kind of pretty dang close versus the team you're matching up against. Chris Jans can really coach. So can Hurley, and hopefully we get to see some Adonis Sonogo and Andre Jackson and, and Jordan Hawkins kind of pop up here and, and make their case for draft stuff down the line too. Okay. Uh, Alabama is going to get one of Rutgers or Notre Dame. Texas Tech plays Montana State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama was a team that I was kind of targeting as a real upset contender. 
uh, I don't think they've played well over the course of the last month and a half of the season. No. And the quotes have been bad, too. Like, they asked Nate Oates about Javon Quinterly and playing, and he made some comment like, well, he shows up on time that he'll play. So it's it's not the it's not the team it was a year ago. I don't know if Herb Jones was really like actually Superman, like he's showing the NBA, like yeah. he was the guy that melded it all together, or maybe it's Josh Primo. What do I know? But I circled them too. But I don't even know who to pick for an upset because Rutgers Notre Dame. Selfishly, I, I hope it's Notre Dame so we can see Blake Wesley. He match up against JD Davison and Shackelford and Alabama's guards. Uh, but Rutgers is tough, and, and they're great at home too. And they, they beat Purdue on that half-court heave, and Ron Harper Jr. hasn't quite reached the levels he was his last year in the beginning of the season, but still a, a really tough team to draw in that first four bubble matchup for Notre Dame. Well, there's uh, there are a couple guys here that are going to match up really, really well with Blake Wesley, I think. Um, Rutgers has two really strong perimeter defenders, and Caleb McConnell specifically, oh, who I'd imagine yeah. Probably will get the matchup on Blake Wesley, but Paul Mulkai uh, is really good defensively as well. And I think that he'll probably see some minutes on Blake Wesley too. Um, I actually kind of like Rutgers there. Rutgers, I think, is just a really tough physical team that will cause Notre Dame some issues. And, and as much as I want to see Blake Wesley play against Alabama's guards, you know, I think that the bigger test for him in the NCAA tournament actually comes with Rutgers. Yeah, Caleb McConnell's r- really good. I mean, he, he matched up with Jaden Ivey in Purdue. Like, they put him on the, the best offensive player in the Big Ten night after night. Yep, and that's going to be a really fun matchup. Like, that's one that I'm really looking forward to from a prospect perspective. I'm writing a thing on the prospects that will be forthcoming. Uh, you know, the best matchups in the NCAA tournament, essentially, that prospects face in the first round. And I'm really looking forward to that one. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I'm really, really excited. Um, let's move down to, do you have any thoughts on Texas Tech? I, like, I actually really like Texas Tech kind of throughout the straw here. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I yeah. have them winning a, a couple games. Um, I, I like their style. I, I like how, not Terrence Shannon Jr. is like an, an afterthought, but they've all, they've all bought in. And, and Fran Fraschilla yeah. made this point that, the identity of the team is back to what the Texas Tech team was like a year or two ago. Like Chris Beard left, but the still kind of mantra totally. of we're under-recruited, we have a chip on our shoulder, Adonis Arms in, te- in school forever, Kevin McCullough is uh, just mad that he's there. Not, they, they've all bought into whatever the, the magic pixie dust they have in that locker room, so I, I like them as a group a lot. Uh, Michigan State Davidson, the Foster, Foster Lawyer, lawyer. Bowl. Yeah, Crazy. Foster Lawyer uh, was Michigan State's backup guard for a long time. He's now Davidson's starting point guard. Um, you know, is, I, I'm is that weird? Really intrigued. What is that weird? Is that senior X at a bar? Like, what is that for Foster Lawyer? <laughs> so, our Brendan Quinn at the Athletic mentioned that he kind of has the expectation that Foster Lawyer is going to be a grad assistant at Michigan State at some point because Izzo apparently loves him. So, I, I don't think that. Um, I don't think it's that. I think that it's going to be this, more of a... Is this a, Sting uh, and WCW taking off a mask and he's still Sting? Like, this is crazy. He's playing against another team and he's going back. That's insanity. That'd be amazing. I, I would love that so much. But Davidson, look, we get a Max Christie, Hyungjin Lee matchup in the NCAA tournament. Two guys that are six foot seven floor spacers that uh, really could use a strong NCAA tournament game to up their profile a little bit. Uh, if Max Christie doesn't play well in this game, I think, you know, definitely is 
going back, I would think. Not that you put everything on this single game, but you know the the sample has been better with Max Christie recently. Uh, I thought that he played pretty well, uh, you know, in the Big Ten tournament. You know, for the most part, at least. You look at. Uh, I'm trying to think which game did he play really? I think it was which? the Maryland game. He had like 16 points or something, right? What? Who knocked them out of the Big Ten tournament? Is Purdue knocked them out? Yeah, he was not good. Like he had three straight jumpers yeah, where he lined up, he squared, and it was like back rim, back to the right, back to nice. the left. And I just I talked to myself a lot, and I just said, "Gotta go back to school." I, I didn't see it, and I, I thought yeah. similarly today with Young Jung Lee, who I really liked. He's just so stiff and so upright. And yeah. he wasn't assertive in the first half at all, and then when the game was online, he was like kind of. He had a nice pass. It was an assist that ended up being a bucket, but kind of chucked a little bit. I had him in the 40s. I'm, I'm wondering if that's just a little too high because the ceiling isn't necessarily what I earlier thought. But that's that's why we play the games and has a chance to show that maybe it's just a, a bad run here of a little bit. And it, the three point numbers have dropped too, so that, that that's got to bump up for a catch and shoot guy who does have some defensive limitations as well. Yeah, that, it was a really bad uh, A10 tournament for Hyunjin Lee. Uh, I think he averaged like 10 points per game and you know, shot. God, I think he went like four of 15 from three or something. So he needs to have a pretty good tournament here. Uh, I think he needs to have like a nice little, uh, nice little run that, that would be useful. And then Duke gets Cal state Fullerton uh, as a two you know, seed. Is, That's a two seed. Duke, Duke should not have been a two seed. Let, let's call it t- Tennessee should have been a two and Duke should have been a three, you know, and they're three. They're three in the West region, playing in South Carolina, and the one seed in the region they already beat. Is this a selection committee parting gift, uh, a part of the farewell tour, or is this just hey, this is where the ball bounced, and that's where they ended up in this place? I just thought it was weird that you're in the West, you're playing more or less a home game, and your one seed is is a team you beat in November or December, whenever it was. Man, I, I'll say this: Do you think that Duke team wants? Any part of Texas Tech? Oh heck no! I think I like. Oh, they got it. Yeah, they got to get there too. I mean, I don't think Michigan State and, and even Davidson would be the the easiest out. I don't, I know Duke made the ACC championship game, but I don't know, man. Like it, those guys got to do it uh, a lot higher level than they are. And, and we were texting about last night about I don't know, just sort of Apollo's misreads on guys and AJ Griffin. Those two players what? are supposed to be top ten players and. There's times where I, I don't know. I know they're going to be picked there, but it doesn't happen enough where I think definitively – like you watch Keegan Murray today. You watch Jaden Ivey. Like yeah. you see those guys like, yep, get it, top seven. Those guys, I, I go back and forth. Man, I don't think that's on the players. I'm, I'm, you watched that Virginia Tech game last night. It Mike is. Young fucking annihilated K. Just absolutely destroyed him. Like – Coach K continued throughout the entire game to run this bullshit soft switch on the perimeter. Like, oh, yeah, we're not going to fight through screens. We're not going to play. You have Mark fucking Williams, who's one of the best drop coverage big men in college basketball. And you're going to soft switch him through some off-ball screen actions, through some on-ball actions. What what are you doing? Like, I, I just have no idea. And like he said after the game that, you know, communication on defense is one of the hardest things to teach young teams. And I, I totally get that. Like, I think that that is absolutely fair. It's, it's a fair statement on his part. But they look like they've gotten worse 
Like their communication looks like it's gotten worse. They have so many breakdowns defensively where guys just like don't seem to know where they're going to be. Can you imagine? Like we just saw Virginia Tech, right? Davidson is very similar to Virginia Tech in terms right. of what they're going to do, just, how just they're going to structured, structured offensively, get you open looks. Those Hunter Couture open threes yep. would just be Hyung Jung Lee or something like that. Totally. Davidson would pick them apart on defense. Like would absolutely pick them apart right now. And that's scary. Like if I was a Duke fan, I, I've said throughout the year, I think that this Duke team is the most talented team in college basketball. Yeah. If they win the title, it's going to be in spite of their coach oh. is my take. Well, they, they because also we have, have seen nothing from K this year that makes me say he's putting those guys in the right position. Like who is, who is Duke's best passer? Uh, it, that depends on the day. It, it's not, it's probably not Trevor Keels, like Jeremy Roach, maybe Paolo Bancaro, at, Paolo Bancaro at, yes. at times. Yeah. I think it's Paolo Bancaro. Uh, if I was Duke, I would literally just be watching Iowa tape for the next two days. I would be saying, okay, how does Iowa get Keegan Murray, the ball emptied out on one side of the court in the mid post? Okay, we're going to practice because Coach K in his press conference last night went on about having entry passes or when I'm not, not about entry passes, having practices and getting a chance to practice over the next couple of days and how that'll really help his team. I would be practicing entry passes to Paulo Bancaro in the mid post constantly. Nobody can guard that guy. Like absolutely nobody can guard that guy in college basketball. His fluidity of footwork, his strength, his physicality, like it's unbelievable. Like they should just be watching Iowa tape to figure out how do we get this guy, the ball in the mid post in the half court, because that is their best half court offense. The difference is though, the Keegan Murray is a three point shooter now. Like he believes it. He's over 42% since the new year. He was what it had eight threes two days ago. Had had a bunch yeah. today too. He's more looking catch to shoot from three now. Where early in the year it was transition, it was yep. mid post. He he's still the guy. Where Paulo hit some uh, off the dribble jumpers the other night, kind of step back Carmelo ish type stuff. And then late in the game, yep. it was sort of top isolations. It was always one dribble left spin, uh, go for like a ready hook. But it, but it wasn't. Like, but but that was kind of like catch up too. Like they were behind and like we need two quick points here because we're we're digging a hole. We're down seven with three minutes to play. Well, what does that say to you though about like, hey, when we need a bucket, when we need this thing to happen right now, what are we doing? Yeah, we're going to follow. We, we we have yeah. to right because AJ Griffin is a three and D guy who the D hasn't been great and he was one for eight for three last game. So if, well, if his threes aren't falling, he's not going to the rim. Uh, Trevor Keels has just this tendency sometimes of being the bad bowling ball, not the good bowling ball. And then Trevor Paolo, Keels has no idea what he's doing out there in terms <laughs> of distributing. He has no yeah. idea. Yeah, I, I like it. I'm the I'm the period at the end of the sentence in this podcast. You're the exclamation point. It's great. It's why we work well together. And but I, it, I like Trevor Keels. Like I, yeah. I like him. I think he's a really good player. He's really great on defense. He's a that bowling ball tendency to be able to attack and get into the lane. Like Duke does need that, but he's not a point guard. And his ability to read the defense and see who's open on the court, his vision is not good. Like it, he consistently puts his head down and doesn't you know, look to attack with the pass. He's not a good live dribble passer. So it's it's frustrating to watch him be the guy that initiates the offense, you know, what, 
30% of the time, sure. 40% of the time, because they have Wendell Moore as well, and Jeremy Roach is out there. Jeremy Roach, I have no idea what to do with. Um, he, was like, he was good for a while. He had a good stretch of four or five games yeah. in the middle, and then wasn't great last night. I, I still – I'm fine with Duke as long as they have to do those kind of turnovers for touchdowns. Like when it's a miss or a bad yeah. pass, Mark Williams has to chuck it, run up and down the court. You ball fake there. You hit up the wing. Now Paulo has a, a free side. It's not there. You reset. Here comes trail A.J. Griffin. Boom. But when it slows down, and Virginia Tech did that a little bit to them and made them yep. play in the half court, that's when they struggled. And by the way, both Michigan State and Davidson will do that to them. Yep. Like, regardless of who they play, they're going to have to win a half court game against those two teams. Oh, it's 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 bare knuckle boxing. They don't want to be pretty. Right. So if you if it does not go the way that I'm saying, where like Duke just throws the ball into Paulo and says, hey, Paulo, like even if it's a double, like Paulo reads double teams really well as well. Like that's the thing. That's actually the main difference between he and Keegan. You bring up the shooting. For me, it's actually the passing. Keegan's not a very good passer. Paulo's an exceptional passer, I think, for a big. So yes, but Keegan's a better scorer. It's like he makes up for right. it that way, and Paulo kind of makes up for the other one. I still feel more comfortable in the game going to Keegan Martin. We'll get to Iowa here in a, in a little bit, but he's he's kind of piecing the the things we said we're worried about. Together yeah. and, and Paulo and AJ Griffin and it, not Mark Williams. Mark Williams is what he is, but those guys, I, I still have my my concerns. I want them to have big games. It's it's why we talked about last week. I said AJ Griffin's the guy I have my eye on because which player is he? I, I can't figure him out. Is it the guy who's going to have fifteen and six, or is it the guy who's going to have yeah. two points and go one for eight? Duke does not win if he goes one for eight with two points. Doesn't happen. Yeah, no, I, I agree and. To me, at the end of the day, the two guys that Duke needs to have the ball in their hands with are Wendell Moore at times. Like you can totally run through Wendell Moore. He'll make good enough decisions, I think. And Paulo Bancaro. All of those Trevor Keels possessions need to go to Paulo or need to go to Wendell Moore. Uh, let Trevor play off the ball and play as like, you know, sometimes he catches and shoots, but more often than not has a guy closing out on him and gets downhill and attacks toward the rim and makes a play that way. That's how I think you get the I, I, anything I've watched from Duke this year says to me that they are not putting their players in the best position to succeed. And that is disappointing to me because I think this team is more talented than anyone else in college basketball. Totally agree with that. And and I'm someone who sits down and actually takes time for the bracket. It kind of drives me crazy when they just announce the field and then the guys are up at the board like, all right, here's my upsets, this, that right. I need time. But your, your gut instinct, your gut feeling out of the West, who's your one team that comes out of it? I kind of love Texas Tech. Oh, I like that. I have Gonzaga. I, I like. I want to see them in yeah. bigger moments, and I want to shed the whole West Coast Conference isn't good enough bullcrap we've dealt with. Yeah, I could see it. Like It's going to be a crazy year, and you go through this, and you, you have a two one seeds a two and a three in your final four it's not going to happen feel safe but i don't know which teams you want to bet on but if you're betting on texas tech i'm not against it so here is here's kind of my thing people said that like gonzaga and duke have a really easy region i i think that gonzaga like bracket is pretty brutal to be honest uh they have to play a lot of older teams. You're playing either a memphis or a boise state team that probably averages 22 in the starting lineup you're playing a Connecticut team that averages 23 probably in the starting lineup. Um, or you're playing an Arkansas team that 
is older, experienced. J.D. Note is 23 years old. Yep. Amude is 22 or 23. Um, Tony, I think, is 21. Jalen Williams is like mature beyond his years as a basketball player. <laughs> All those teams are so tough and physical. Like, if I was Gonzaga, I would be rooting for like an upset like to come through that part. And then at the bottom half, like I think Texas tech gives them problems uh, just with their physicality. And then they've lost to Duke earlier this year. So I don't think they did Gonzaga any favors here. Like, I don't think this is an easy bracket for them. Um, Maybe this is, I'm like 5% lower on Gonzaga than everyone else. But um, this is also a Gonzaga bracket that I think will be really interesting from a prospect perspective for Chet because you know, he might get a Jalen Williams matchup. He might get a Jalen Duran matchup. He might get the Duke matchup at the end. He might get the Texas Tech matchup where they're super physical and tough and, you know, a beast at the point of attack. And, oh, by the way, Alabama, for as much as we just shit on them, like they're a sixth seed that has beaten Gonzaga this year, is in their region, mm-hmm. um, and can get hot and beat anybody for three straight games. So I, I don't know. Like I, I think this is actually like a really brutal region to pick. Um, I, I, you could, you could throw me any one of the top, you know, four top four seeds realistically. And I'd be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, Gonzaga is my initial champion here. So I'm going to roll with the Zags and I just hope that it doesn't turn into a ref show and we blow the whistle and get Chet Holmgren or Jalen Duran or whoever it may be. Jalen Williams out of the game with two dumb fouls, the first six minutes of play. Yeah. I'm going to say Texas tech over Gonzaga. Um, yeah. I have Zags or tech. Uh, okay. Do you want to go west or east next? Or, uh, yeah, or south or east? Can I'm we sorry. go south? Because I think that's what they did on the the, the reveal. So it's kind of like my my notes are annotated that cool. way. Okay. So we've got Arizona taking on either Wright State or Bryant. Uh, I don't think Arizona will have problems with either of those teams. Uh, Seton Hall TCU is kind of a weird little fun matchup. I've really enjoyed TCU throughout the year. Seton. These are like two of my teams in the preseason that I absolutely loved. Um, one of them came through in TCU and the Seton Hall didn't not come through. They, they closed the season really well. I think Kadari Richmond played a lot better over the course of the second half of the season, but draft you darling. Know, it's draft darling. Yeah, they're not the darling. Kadari Richmond. Everyone thought he was going to be the guy. He, he wasn't, he was up, he's had some good games, had some bad games and TCU knocked off what Kansas at home. They had uh, a storming of the court there and Eddie Lampkin's been better and Mike Miles has been good. So they they have some pieces there that, I picked TCU. I think it'll be a close game. I think it spreads like one point, so it really could go either way. Yeah, I, I picked Seton Hall. Um, it's going to be close, though. Like that That's that's one that's going to be super physical and going to be wild to watch. Um, Houston UAB, I think that's going to be a very popular upset pick because UAB is the top 12 seed. Uh, Jelly Walker is a really, Walker, really baby. good scorer. Uh, Houston is frankly, without its two best players in Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser. I, I don't know what to do with Houston necessarily. They haven't really beaten anybody this year yeah, other beat than Memphis. Today. Memphis. Yeah, yeah, won the, like, won the conference tournament today. Like the, the teams that were on their non-conference schedule that like they were 
hoping would come through as good teams. Virginia was not very good. Oregon was not very good, especially early in the season. Um, Oklahoma State, I think, is actually like not a bad win. I know everyone just kind of ignored Oklahoma State throughout the year because they weren't eligible for the NCAA tournament. But Oklahoma State's really good. Um, like they are one of the best defensive teams in college basketball. That's actually a good win. Um, but other than that, like, you know, SMU, they split with SMU, like lost to Memphis two out of three. I, I think this is a tight game. Like I see this is like a 50, 50 game. Yeah. I, I, my initial lean is UAB with this one too. Why UAB? Uh, for all the reasons you outlined there. And I don't want to be the numbers guy that every year there's a 12 over a five. What I do hate is the next match we're going to talk about 413. I also like the underdog. And then you have to go all in <laughs> on like your underdog winning two games. And uh, I did take UAB there. I think Jordan Walker could give them fits. And that's why uh, I think they'll sneak one by. I think it'll be closer. At the very least, they're, they're going to they're gonna lose by less than eight and a half points. That's that's how I feel. The, the UAB thing is that they're actually pretty big. They can play both big and small. Like Trey Jemison uh, is a kid that started at Clemson and, you know, is now like a – 23 year old or 22 year old starting center at UAB. Um, KJ Buffin is a kid that started at Mississippi, if I remember correctly, um, was really good. I thought he was like kind of a sneaky NBA prospect at one point, uh, just hasn't quite developed that way, but is still like a really good fourth year player in college basketball. And then, you know, Jelly Walker is obviously just an awesome guard uh, from New York who played at Tulane and then transferred to UAB. So I am, uh, I'm very interested in that one. I think that's going to be that's going to be a really fun game to watch for an upset. Uh, I, yeah, a lot of people are picking this Chattanooga Illinois upset. I, I don't know. I, I don't quite love that one as much as everyone else. Can you can you make the pitch for me on Chattanooga? Yeah. So I, I didn't do. I watched their conference championship game, and the thing that stuck out is I, I knew he was there, but I, I'm excited for America's reaction to being like. Is that Silvio D'Souza? Like, wasn't he at Kansas? Like, how is he still <laughs> yeah. there? How old is he? He averaged like 11 and 7. Yeah. And he's fine. He, like, I, I know it didn't work at Kansas. He was unbelievable in, in high school. And he hasn't really quite regained that form. Uh, I, I like their their team. But just the, the initial jump is Illinois has been sort of all over the place this season. It seems like they've righted the ship for the most part. I like the matchup with him and, and Kofi Coburn in the middle. That'll be a wrestling match. I didn't necessarily have like a, a really strong take on why I took them over Illinois other than just knowing the board is going to be crazy and you got to shoot your shot somewhere. I feel like Kofi is a really hard matchup for mid-majors. Just a really, it's, it's, really. It's going to be, it's going to be the Jalen Williams. You're going to try to take charges on him. You have to, when he's coming down the court, you, you camp out in the middle of the paint and try to get him as he's rim running or something like that to get him out of the game and get him in foul trouble. Cause he is such a game changer. It's the same thing with, sort of Purdue when they play lower major, mid major teams or you throw into the post to Zach Eady, like good luck stopping them when your center is six foot eight. Like, okay, here's yeah. Kofi Coburn's enormous and 4% body fat. And yeah, you're, you're not slowing that train down. Yeah. Like the mid major teams, like look, Cincinnati is not a mid major, but they were not great this year, right? They beat Illinois by 20 at the start of the year. That's a big team. Like they have Abdul Otto, they have the Russian kid, they have, um, Hayden Koval, the seven foot one kid, like they can throw real enormous bodies at Kofi. Uh, You know, you look at some of the teams that Illinois played out of conference that are, you know, lower major and look Chattanooga would be by far the best of the lower major teams that 
Illinois has played this year. And they have Silvio, who they can throw at him, uh, throw at Kofi, who is still way undersized, but is at least like a bigger body. A bigger, bigger, stronger. Yeah. Like, I just feel like Kofi is such an enormous problem for mid-majors that it's going to be um, it's going to be kind of tough for them. Good to see it. Okay. Our next matchups, our next little pod, oh, I like Colorado State and Michigan. Yeah. And then Tennessee and Longwood. Do we, do we want to get the rant on Tennessee out of the way? Because uh, that was – I have no idea how this is a three seed. Uh, you think it's you know, a two, just, right? It's very clearly a two. I thought they That's had an I outside thought. case over Baylor to be the fourth one. Yeah, and I, I, I felt they were the two over Duke after winning the SEC tournament. Duke's 28-6 and six conference. I don't – you probably have it up, which conference is stronger. I, I was a little surprised by it, but – not yeah. hey, not that in the world. I think the the draw is is okay here. But my favorite part of the pod is who guards David Roddy on Michigan. It's a great question. I, I was actually going to throw it the other way to you. Who guards Hunter Dickinson for Colorado <laughs> State? David Roddy. Uh, he, he, yeah. he does it both. I'd be more concerned about him down the other end, to be frank. Yeah, like look, like they're gonna have to throw the who's the They'll just double Hunter Dickinson and, and force him to put it over his head and, and pass it, whatever. Can't I can't do I don't, that with Hunter Dickinson anymore though. He's too good of a passer now. Sure, but get to him early. That, that's what they're going to do. They're not gonna not double him. But I, I'd be more concerned of like is Caleb Houston checking David Roddy? Like what's this gonna look like on the defensive yeah. end for them? And they're what, yeah, seven, seven, 17 and 14? And they're fir- 17 and 14, right? And they're firmly in. They weren't even last four. And I was a little yeah. taken aback by that, too. Well, the, the guy that you're going to throw at him, like th- this is a very obvious answer, right? The first guy you throw at him is Musa Diabate. Sure. Right? And I think Diabate's too either going to be. He's, he's too, yeah. Diabate's too jumpy. He's going to get in the air, go into him. He's going to get quick fouls. That's my prediction there. That's kind of what I was thinking as well. It's either going to go really well for Michigan and Diabate is just going to like frustrate him athletically, or he's going to be off the court in four minutes due to fact. <laughs> right, um, right. It's going to be one or the other. Like Brandon Johns is another guy that they'll probably throw at him. They'll probably throw Terrence Williams at him. Look, David Roddy's way better than all those guys, but I do think Michigan has more of those like bigger six, seven bodies than what most teams have. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they they have more depth there. They're not they don't yeah. have to uh, rely on one guy, and it's not doesn't go right. They go somewhere else. Uh, I I could get this wrong, but I think Michigan is technically favored as an eleven. Oh yeah, um, I got an email earlier saying the only two favored underdogs were Memphis and San Francisco. Um, but you might be looking at something different. Okay, I'll, I'll look where I'm here. Rego- I will be betting Keep on running. Michigan in this game for sure. Like I'll say that. Like I will 100% be betting on to to win or to cover. To win, yeah, or to cover. If they're favored, I'll bet on them to cover too. I think they win by like five or six. Um, yeah, I like Michigan quite a bit in this game. I just don't know who covers. No, I got I got Michigan minus two. Yeah, I'll I'll be I'll be hitting Michigan pretty hard in that game. Mm, Um, I think that's a really hard matchup for Colorado State. All due respect to Colorado State, I think Nico Medved's awesome. Um, like. Missouri and Kansas State should be calling Nico off the hook to try and get an interview with him. But yeah, I I, uh, I think that's a really hard matchup for them because of Michigan's ability to throw like four different guys at David Roddy and kind of cause issues that way. Uh, Tennessee, yeah. I think, you know, is another team though, by the way, that 
you know, I know that they just won the SEC tournament, but, you know, I haven't been the most consistent team throughout the year. Like, you, you look at their road, their home record versus road record, it's been a bit iffy. Uh, they lose to Texas Tech on a neutral earlier this year. They lose to Villanova badly on a neutral earlier this year. Um, I, I, look, they, yeah, they went through the, that was uh, I was at that game. That's the Hall of Fame. But we're, we're all yep. neutral courts now, or for the most part. And they just won the SEC, SEC tournament on a neutral court. So you, you hope that it's going that way. I think for as much as, I don't say I've slandered, but as much criticism that I've heaped on Kennedy Chandler over the year, he's been really good. He, he's hit shots. He's, he's dictated tempo when he gets into lane. He has like different release points, leaving up there. He's not just throwing himself in there. He's better off a of pick and roll. And if they have guys like Brandon Huntley Hatfield stepping up in different pieces who haven't during the year, that's going to make them a, a tough out. And by the way, if it is Michigan in that next round, uh, or Colorado State, frankly, as well, uh, Kennedy Chandler in ball screens is probably going to be a problem for both of those teams. Yeah, could be. Uh, so, yeah, I think Tennessee out of this pod, but I think Michigan's going to give them a game, to be honest. Yeah, uh, t- Tennessee's pretty heavily favored in, in the first game against Longwood. Yeah. Uh, last little pod here. Ohio State against Loyola Chicago. Villanova against Delaware. Uh, this is either going to result Your in just alma like mater. Here we go. Heartbreak for me. Uh, <laughs> is this, it a bad? Is not... it a bad movie with with Loyola Chicago a year ago? And I know it's different. I I know Porter Mosher at Oklahoma. I know Cameron Crutwig isn't haunting your dreams or Illinois dreams anymore. Play a similar style. They're pretty good. They're favored. Is, is this sort of? A, it's not a trap game because it's who you play. But is this a, a bad draw for E.J. Liddell, Malachi Branham, and the Fighting Buckeyes here? Oh, it's a horrible draw. I yeah. mean, I think Loyola is better than Colorado State. And here we are. Michigan's an 11 seed. Ohio State's a 7 seed. And, you know, one's playing a better – like the higher-seeded team is playing a better team. So I'm not thrilled about that. Let's just be honest. I think Ohio State can win this game, though. It's yeah, I, I have a, I have on... Ohio State. I think I'm higher on them than, than most people. I don't know if it's just the the Big Ten bias because I, I've watched them so often, but I I think they could piece it for, for like a couple games here. And you have Villanova probably waiting for you, which they're playing great and just won a Big East championship. And Colin Gillespie looks like the point god we thought he would be all year now, and it's happening. And Villanova is never a, a team that you're going to walk over, but I don't want to sell undersell Ohio State either. Is Loyola favored in this game? Uh, they are. They're favored by two is the line I'm looking yeah. at. Whatever email I got that said that the two, the only two favored under C. It could have. Maybe, maybe it's moving here as, uh, yeah, that's as the bets are rolling in. I think I just got a bad email. Um, spam? Here, here's the thing with Ohio State that I think a lot of people aren't really recognizing or like, or just like ignoring. These last few games where they have not like played particularly well, like losing against Michigan, losing against Penn state. Um, you know, obviously this Nebraska loss is a disaster. They've been without a pretty significant part of their interior. Like in the Penn state game, they were without Kyle Young and Zed key. Uh, the Nebraska game, the Michigan game, essentially the Michigan game was without Kyle Young. Zed key played seven minutes. Uh, Nebraska was without, uh, Zed Key, if I remember correctly, I think Kyle Young played in that game, um, but did not play more than like 10 minutes in that game. So they lost their two 
best interior defenders, uh, lost their two most important interior players. Look, if Zed Key and Kyle Young play, I think they win. Like, I'm really actually not that, I'm not uncomfortable with that matchup. If Ohio State has its full roster, I just don't know what's going on with Zed Key and Kyle Young necessarily in terms of like, are they going to be 100%? Can they play 25 minutes against Loyola? And it's a big question mark where Malachi Branham, as we've said, is coming to his own. EJ Adele's coming to their own. You need that extra guy or two to push you over the hump there. Yeah, and uh, you know what? Like, I'll be interested. I will be interested to see if Ohio State has its full complement, how much does Malachi Branham play in like critical situations? Oh, he has to. Because like play or get plays called for him. I guess that's the probably difference here. No. Like, do they trust him defensively enough to play? Oh, I think they have to big tight moments because against Loyola Loyola will run you through the ringer in terms of off ball actions. Malachi Mm. Branham is really bad in those. Like he's just really, really bad in those settings. Uh, If we're talking about a situation where Malachi Branham gets pulled, I would not be blown away by that. Um, If they have, I I don't, I don't like that, but I like the prediction. Like if you don't, if you don't have Zed key and Kyle young, you just kind of have to play Malachi Branham because you only have a limited number of dudes. Yep. But if you have Kyle Young and you have Zed Key and like you can play bigger and make it work that way, yeah, that's that's a fun matchup. If Ohio that's State's good. healthy, I like them to beat Loyola, and I like them to beat Villanova. Let's go, let's do it. I have the same thing. <laughs> I'm ready, but they got to be healthy. That, that's why you're supposed to write in pencil. The first bracket I did pen. The next one I will do in pencil. But that's that's kind of like a not game time decision, but maybe like a day before you make the the final call on it. Yeah, if Ohio State's healthy. If they're not healthy, they're losing in the first round. If they are healthy, uh, they have two potential first-round picks. They have two really good big guys. They have Jamari Wheeler, who's a great uh, you know, role-player point guard. I'm in. Let's go. Cedric Russell. Let's ride. Good nuts. Yeah, ride. Uh, Villanova is really good, by the way, and we might just all be sleeping on Villanova uh, to a substantial extent, and they might make the Final Four. Uh, who is your uh, pick in this region? Uh, it's Arizona. It, it definitely is. And you had the crystal ball, right? Dale and Terry had like the breakout game already in the PAC 12 tournament. And it was funny, I guess. So PAC 12 is on late here. I know you have no concept of real time. I have no concept but, of time. So the game was on at nine o'clock. I'm like, great. It's on at nine o'clock. Be over 11, 1130. I forgot it was daylight savings. So it was actually like technically started at like 10. So, so I'm up late watching the game. And Dale and Terry is doing like the whole show of of third fifteen points, seven rebounds, six of six, zero turnovers, and hitting at the right time. And I didn't realize I saw the stat in the game that they're like all time levels of highest assists per game. It's a really fun style. They move the ball. Yeah. Ben Mathurin had twenty seven points. They're loaded, and they're so loaded that if one of those guys takes a little bit of a dip, it's not the Duke situation where I'm saying, well, AJ Griffin has to do this, or they're not going to win games. Ben Matherin has 12 points. I think they're still going to win. Like if, if Dale and Terry has five, six, and four, I think they're still going to win. They're so balanced that Arizona is my pick out of this region. And uh, probably the most fun of a, a watch was that UCLA game I've had in a while last night. Yeah. I think they need Kirk Kreese for the second weekend. Sure. I don't sure. know if they need him for the first weekend. Um, for exactly the reason that you just said, right? Like Pele Larson is good enough to play. Justin Keir is good enough to play. Um, you know, Adama Ball, like, by the way, Better last uh, night. hit a couple of threes last night. 
and was not unplayable, maybe is the fairest way to put it. Um, you throw all those guys at Tabellis, Matherin, Coloco, Dalen Terry. I mean, that's. And they're big yeah, and strong, and they, they'll play two bigs at the same time, too. Like, they're not spacing it out. Play two bigs, couple wings. Dalen Terry can play some point guard. Played more of it last night. I, I had a talk with a, we'll call it basketball person this morning, said, See, I told you Dalen could make the jump. I said, well, yeah, but he's he's playing full-time point guards because Kirk Kreese is out. I said, well, yeah. no, he didn't anyway. I said, okay, well, look at the numbers. Plays most minutes ever. Took the most shots he's taken in months. Had the most just opportunity and usage, and he shined when the, the moment was his. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I, I'm going to go Arizona over Tennessee in this region. Um, by the way, a, as I mentioned, Tennessee uh, got obliterated by Villanova early and i think that the most popular pick is going to be tennessee you know to get to the elite eight over villanova i don't know how i feel about that um honestly maybe maybe i should but like it's hard because like i think ohio state is really good and has like a real chance i don't know Ah, it's it's marked man i I like it I, i technically had arizona over ohio state right now but just also barring injury reports as they become available to us yeah. Uh, okay. Th- this the Midwest region is the softest region, I think, hmm. in the bracket. Uh, Kansas against the winner of Texas Southern, Texas Corpus Christi, San Diego State, Creighton. Creighton played really well in the Big East tournament without Ryan Nemhard. Trey Alexander looks great. Hmm. Uh, Arthur Kaluma looks great. This is a team that I think is as soon as I get numbers. On the 2023 national title uh, I you might odds, the betting line, yeah, I will be betting Creighton because uh, I'm assuming that they're going to keep all of their guys, and all of those guys are going to go from being really good freshmen to really good sophomores, and probably show some real growth. Uh, the, the, the only reason I'll accept that answer is I know you have you'll have futures on like six teams. If that was your one I shot, will. I'd say yeah, ambitious, but one of six, we can we can roll with that. Yeah, no. Like, but here's the thing. Like Ryan Kalkbrenner, Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Nemhard, Trey Alexander, uh, and the Andrana what the hell's his name? Andronish Kavili or something yeah, like that. You're, you're um right. yeah. Roddy. Let's let's go with Roddy. Sure. Um you know, that's two potential first round picks, I think, in Arthur Kaluma and uh Trey Alexander at some point that could be really good. So yeah, be, be Providence uh, by what, twenty in the semifinals? high-end talent and more experience i'm assuming that ryan hawkins doesn't still have eligibility but maybe he does i don't know i, I don't know um, eligibility anymore i was looking at yeah i don't know eligibility everyone's anymore. 23 everyone's like is that a sixth year i see on his espn profile i don't know is, how it's possible good for them stay in college it's a trap don't grow up senior? yeah <laughs> um i think san diego state versus creighton is another like first to 55 wins the game matchup because these are both really good defensive teams. I don't know. 50-50 game uh, in every regard. Uh, This next little batch of teams features our sweet boy, Keegan. Uh, Really, your sweet boy. I was lower on Keegan throughout. No, it's collective. It's collective. He's been great, though. He has. He he really, really has. And he's, he's answered the call, and I was worried about Iowa doing anything unless he had these super duper games and he can and then you have a Jordan Bohannon kiss off the glass to keep the dream alive and I didn't see yeah. these guys winning the conference championship so maybe there's more to it I'm 
a little afraid. I know most times we talk about teams and like they're peaking at the right time. I'm just a little concerned. Like for them, it was like they had the celebration. They had the peak like too early, and now it's yeah. it's, it's sort of like trappy. And and Richmond also won their uh, their conference tournament, and they're yep. really really old too. I, I did take Iowa, like Iowa, to maybe win a couple games on the back of the the hot shooting of Keegan Murray. Yeah. The- it's hard because, like, I don't think Richmond is awesome. Um, I, I've been on, I've been high on this Richmond team for like two years now, and it just seemed like they were never going to bring it together. But they kind of did. I mean, they lose oh, three they of their last, yeah. they lose three of their last five regular season games, and then they come together for like this one final ride. Uh, well, somebody, all of so, the somebody had a tweet where like they lost on the, at the buzzer to like three games a season, and they beat them like in order in the A10 tournament. I don't remember yeah, who tweeted un- it, but I'm like, that is an awesome stat. It's unreal. It's absolutely unreal. Um, they knocked Dayton out of the NCAA tournament literally by beating, Day- beating Dayton. Uh, that's just a weird. No, no, no. They beat, they, they beat Davidson. Dayton. Well, they lost. beat Dayton in the semis, though. Did they? I thought they lost to Davidson. No. No, they uh, they beat Dayton in the semis and then beat Davidson. Uh, and UMass final. was right there knocking on the door. Shout out UMass. They had a nice little run there. They won a couple games, man. They did. And they end up losing by to Dayton by like two or three. UMass coaching search update. Has UMass reached out to Matt Penny uh, regarding uh, hiring you as head coach? Uh, cannot confirm or deny reports. But no. Okay. Just <laughs> but, it's no. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a no. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that I think Iowa wins this game. Uh, Providence, South Dakota State is going to be the popular upset here. And, you know, I, I was thinking quickly that South Dakota State was going to be my pick. But then we talked about it before we went live. And I think that Justin Manaya on uh, Baylor Shireman, Shireman, who is South Dakota State's NBA prospect player and is their, uh, like, engine that makes everything go, I actually think that's a significant problem. For South Dakota State, so I will be picking Providence here, but that is that is going to be on my list of like NBA matchups that I'm most looking forward to because that's a really important one for Baylor Shireman. And Providence plays so tough too. That game's also in Buffalo, so sort of a less of a commute for Providence to get there. I think that factors into it a little bit. I was surprised that looking at it, they are like Providence is just like a slight favorite, like two points or, or one and a half, despite being a four seed. I don't think yeah. Ed Cooley goes out in the first round like that. I don't. That's going to keep coming down, and I am going to hit Providence. This this reminds me a lot of the – do you remember the Arkansas-Colgate game last year where everyone picked Colgate, and I was just ready. I was sitting there, just hammered Arkansas right at the end. Uh, I, like, I took Arkansas, beautiful. and it was dicey in the first half. I was like, I've made an enormous mistake. I think <laughs> I, like, we were turned the game off. Texting. I'm like, put that on screen three. I'm going to watch this one right now, and – well, yeah. I, I think they covered by like a half a point or one point or something. But yeah, like you were at like a you were up at a lodge with your boys, and I was, I was. Just like, <laughs> I, was. I was like, "Fuck, I've made a huge mistake." <laughs> I have a great memory. Um, okay, LSU Iowa State in what has to be the saddest first round game. Oh I feel like so sad because Iowa State has been dreadful for two months now, and LSU fired Will Wade over the weekend. Do we want to talk about Will Wade? Not really. It, it's just the, yeah, the, the, the the timing of it's crazy. Like we, this thing happened in 2017. We're in 2022, I think. Like we couldn't have done this a month before or a month later. We're doing it here. And for LSU not having, well, what is their head coach? He also didn't coach in 2019. 
while he's under investigation, they had Tony Benford as a head coach. Now Kevin Nickelberry is going to be head coach. Who was a head coach for nine years at Howard, a couple of years at Hampton before that? So it's not like he just yeah. pulled up some random assistant and said, figure it out. Uh, it, it's probably going to be a, a popular upset pick, too. I think LSU's favored by like five. I anticipate that line going down a little bit. It's just the, it would be an easier pick if Iowa State hadn't been as much a train wreck as they've been the last, like you said, month or two. Here's my thing with the LSU decision. Like, why now? If you lose, like if if you go on a run and like make a Final Four, the NCAA is still going to make you vacate the Final Four at the end of the day. So you're like, saying just go full renegade. It's like here's the paper, here's the allegations, and you're saying they should just take it well, like throw it over the head and be like, we'll see you in three weeks. Yeah, fire him at the end of the year. Say like, look, we're not going to screw the kids that are here by making them go through this whole thing and then fire him at the end of the year. Like literally, I don't care if you fire him the minute the press conference of their last game starts. But like, just let him coach. I think. Like, if you're not going to fire him, I think part of it with part of with the NCAA is just kind of um, how how do I put this? When you go along with their rulings and like you don't you don't uh, inhibit or whatever, stop the investigation. You go along with the rule. They'll take it not lighter on you, but like they'll understand where you're coming from. Versus if you just say like whatever, we're we're doing this figured out, the hammer comes down harder. And I think it's part of the if, that's part of the stuff that happened in Oklahoma State and South Carolina and all these other places. Some of the places that did cooperate, it just it still happened. There's still some sanctions. Maybe lost like a scholarship. It wasn't as heavy as a hammer. But if you're gonna do that, you fire him three years ago. You don't let this continue. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Like the the option here for me was fire him three years ago, fire him before the season or fire him after the season. Like don't have this weird ass lame duck situation in the NCAA tournament just because you got the notice of allegations. Like let him coach, fire him after the season. On March 12th. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, fire him March 12th or whatever. Fire him or no, it's fire him uh, March. Fire him on March 25th. 25th. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Good game. Thanks Um, with sweet 16. You're out of here. The other matchup that was really interesting to me was Wisconsin against Colgate. Uh, Wisconsin's been terrible for a little while now uh, because it seems like Johnny Davis is not totally healthy. They are a three seed that is 34th in Ken Palm rankings. Uh, They lost to Michigan State in the first round of their Big Ten Conference tournament. Uh, I think it was the quarters would be my guess when that happened. Um, Lost to Nebraska in their last game of the year. Again, like Johnny Davis Davis got hurt healthy right now. Yeah. Well, he, he here's the Johnny Davis story. He had tweaked his ankle already in practice. So he played yeah. through, sort, not only injury, but he he played through some stiffness, some soreness when they played Purdue. He didn't look like himself. He wasn't as athletic, didn't have the burst. Then he had the intentional foul with Trey McGowan's in the Nebraska game, which kind of like brought back all that, despite it was a clothesline, but he still hurt his leg. So he's getting back to 100%, and that was also a game where Nebraska won, and a lot of people said, see, that's how important he is. Like, he isn't playing. They lost to Nebraska. If he's on 100%, I, I get it. That's a that's a scary game. I hope that he's been icing and, and resting and doing whatever treatment he does to get back to 100% because I want him to play. I want him to win and and hopefully win a game and get to see them against maybe LSU and Tari Eason and, and that kind of a, a prospect matchup we could look forward to. Yeah. I think I am going with both LSU and Wisconsin and just like holding my nose and praying. <laughs> but like those are both like we, we those are 50 50 games because like Johnny Davis, if he can't elevate on his pull up jumper is a significant like problem for Wisconsin. They don't generate offense otherwise. Um, 
LSU, we just have no fucking idea how they're going to respond to Will Wade. Being yeah, on. don't don't know where they're going. Don't they're going to play. And if Wisconsin, you don't know where the offense is coming from. Being favored by eight and a half points seems like a lot. Yeah, uh, that, those are both like 50-50 ish games for me. Maybe, maybe Wisconsin's a little bit higher because I don't think Colgate's very good. Like, uh, I think Colgate is not as good as they were last season, let's say. I thought that right. that last season was their upset chance. Um, but they're still useful and good, and we'll very see well how coached. it goes. Um, very well coached. Matt Langle's genius offensively. Uh, USC Miami and then Auburn Jacksonville State. I don't have a ton of, like, thoughts on this pod. This is, like, it's Auburn, and we're excited about Auburn. We're excited to see Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith, obviously. Isaiah Mobley could present like a really interesting um, matchup for Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler. But outside of that, like this is just kind of whatever to me. Yeah. USC Boogie Ellis. He's played well lately. He had 27 points, a loss versus UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament. But I I feel similar. Yeah. I mean, USC has lost three of their last four. Uh, Miami is ranked 62 in Ken Palm right now. And like just recently lost a game to Virginia in the middle of February. Uh, I know that they played Duke tough, but the game before they had to go to overtime with Boston college, who is a school filled with like mid-major talent right now. Uh, I'm, I'm not real, not, not real excited about either of those teams. Like Auburn should sail through both of these games. Yeah. I, I like their path and in Auburn's my, my pick. Uh, I know it's not, incredibly out on a limb to come out of the Midwest region. Auburn is also my pick and we didn't really talk about Kansas. I think we should just mention like Kansas is the top seed here. Part of the reason they've been so good recently is Jalen Wilson has really emerged as like a yeah. real number three guy with Ochag Baji and Christian Brown. They have real wings. I don't know that they have real wings that they can throw at Keegan Murray. If, Mur- if, uh, Iowa can get through. I'm going to be intrigued by that matchup. That's a really fun one to me. Iowa, Kansas, if we get that in the Sweet 16. It's weird to say this too because he has like 1,950 points, but Remy Martin's figuring it out too. Like he, he's been a yeah, lot he better and, and he, he helped them in their Big 12 tournament run as well. And the other part like of him, this when is him and David McCormick play well, they're a different team. They are. I mean, they're still yeah. a number one seed, but they're like even more of a leap there when those guys are doing what they do. And Oshai Baji's actually hitting threes and not going two for 10. And now Jalen Wilson's a player like that. And Christian Brown, we haven't even talked about. It's kind of like this high level glueish guy, late first, early second round name. Uh, I, I like them. I, I felt the same felt the Iowa matchup for them could get dicey. I will say this too. Like, you know, we brought up Providence, you know, having a good matchup in Baylor Shireman. I actually think Providence has a really interesting matchup on Iowa too. Because they can throw Justin Manaya at Keegan Murray. They can throw Noah Horkler, who's at least six eight, like with a bigger body yeah. at Keegan Murray. Like um I I would love to see that matchup, is what I would say. I'd really, really be looking forward to seeing that matchup. Yeah. Well, they're they're both favored. Uh I think South Dakota State's gonna be popular to upset Providence, but I do have Providence, Iowa, Iowa, Kansas, then Iowa Auburn in the Elite Eight. Yeah. Um I'm going Auburn here as well, just because I think that the lower half of that region is a fucking train wreck. Um, okay. okay. Last region. The East. This, I think, is top to bottom the strongest region. Yes. I think I agree. The top pod is Baylor, 
Norfolk State. Norfolk State's not a bad 16. Uh, UNC Marquette. Marquette has not played well recently. UNC has played really well recently. I think UNC can give Baylor some problems. They can. If it's it's the North Carolina that knocked off Duke at, at Cameron Indoor, they have four players score for 20 points in a game. Yes, that, that team could do it. And with Baylor, I know a lot's been played up into the Jonathan Chamochachua being out and being injured. I, I still have Baylor winning a couple of games, but if, if North Carolina can shoot the way that they have and Brandy Bannock can shoot the way that he has and Caleb Love is making good decisions and RJ Davis is doing what he does, yeah, they they could be there. That being said, I, I still do, took I still took Marquette in the first round. <laughs> yeah, I, I took North Carolina pretty easily. Um I think Baylor beats North Carolina because I think they just have so many different looks that they can throw at teams. They they have so many different versatile options that they're going to be able to put out there on the court that I'm very intrigued to see how teams kind of choose to match up with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got St. Mary's against the winner of Wyoming, Indiana. Both of those matchups have potential to be really interesting. Wyoming, Indiana, I think is going to be really interesting. We get Graham E.K. against Trace Jackson Davis, uh, Hunter Maldonado against uh, Xavier Johnson, both of whom are playing really, really well right now. Um, as you know, lower end, maybe long-term draft prospects, but probably not. Um, yeah, I, I like I, I like that Wyoming Indiana matchup. I think that they both can give St. Mary's a real game. Agree with that. And, and Trace Jackson Davis is really good in in their conference tournament there too. And I know he's somewhat limited, and he's very strongly left hand, and the right's not there. He doesn't shoot, but he does what he does. I know it sounds oversimplified, but he he put up points and he carried Indiana for a while there, and I, that's why I'm going to take them and I think eventually lose to St. Mary's, but I, I do have them over Wyoming. I think the two most underseeded teams in this bracket are uh, Iowa and UCLA. Yeah. Uh, well, UCLA has also been hurt, right? So that, that plays into yes. it a little bit. And, and UCLA is really good. Uh, they've just kind of dealt with a lot of different random shit throughout the year. And because they play in a disaster pack 12, they haven't gotten a chance to win like big games all that often, but beat Marquette pretty easily beat Villanova in overtime early in the season. They beat Arizona earlier this year. Uh, this is a really good basketball team. Like UCLA Baylor is one of the matchups I am yeah, most looking forward to point blank period. Um, if we get that uh, in the sweet 16, I hope we do. I think UCLA gets through this pod relatively unscathed. The I didn't like it that they're matched up with St. Mary's potentially in the in the second round. Like I like more out of state geographically yeah. speaking matchups. That, that's sort of the way it felt. But I, I did have I had UCLA winning both games and losing to Baylor. Uh, Texas Virginia Tech is really fun for a number of reasons. Uh, Virginia Tech is playing really well. They can throw a bunch of different looks at you. They can throw a bunch of different like kind of bodies at you and then offensively they're just fucking outstanding right like they run incredible shit i made a statement earlier this week uh to a uh, i think it might have been to john hollinger and then i said it to an nba executive after i think that as we look at coaches that would transition well up to the nba if we're like being serious about that although i don't think this guy would ever do that I think Mike Young would be one of the absolute most successful coaches that would transition up to the NBA. He is incredible from an X's and O's perspective. He has a calm temperament. He He has a very relaxed demeanor. Like I think he'd 
be good with NBA players. Like he wouldn't go like over the moon yelling at them. Like he'd just be who he is. He diagnoses shit really well on court and like knows what to run, knows what plays to run. I think it like he would be in my top 10 in terms of coaches that would transition up toward the NBA. That doesn't make him like a top 10 college basketball coach necessarily, but like, I, I think of him that highly in terms of what his like X's and O's prowess is and what his like overall skill level is as a coach. Only 58 years old too. I thought he was a, a little bit older, but he runs good stuff. And he said in interviews, it's not necessarily about rankings and, and the guys and the numbers. It's how they can buy in and run the stuff that you yeah. want to run. And he saw how he sliced up Duke and he'll probably run similar stuff. And it's, it's fun. It's him versus Chris Beard in Texas where on paper, we probably all got a little too overzealous with all the transfers and thought this is a runaway Final Four team. They're a yeah. six seed. I, I didn't see that. And Chris Beard said it's better that we kind of lost early. And I don't know if he's being facetious and saying we can get a little bit of rest and he's going to do double sessions of grinding to the ground, but had a lot of time to get their heads right and prepare and maybe run way more than they should. I don't think they're going to come out flat. I, I did take Virginia Tech as a 11 upset. I think that's going to be a very, very popular pick too. Might be wrong, yeah. but a, a lot of people are going to lean that way. I, I took Texas here because Texas can play small uh, with Timmy Allen and Christian Bishop in the front court. And kind of whereas Duke was like soft switching all those actions on the perimeter, right? Like with Texas, those switches have more force. They can actually just like play aggressively. Uh, whereas Duke has to play so softly and give space to the three point shooters. Uh, I, I'm. I, I think that's a really great first round matchup that I'm looking forward to. Uh, no, it's a 50 50 game, but I, I would go Texas, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, good Virginia Tech. A little, uh, go the different direction than you. And then Purdue or Purdue Yale is really fun. Like, I have no idea how Yale is going to guard uh, Jaden Ivey, but I, I'm excited to see it. I am. And my one Jaden Ivey note is. He's really, really good. He is. He had five turnovers today. If he just like got in his head of what to do when he has one step in the paint off the first ball screen, he'd be so much better. It's like sometimes he jumps and kind of like throws his body crazy. Sometimes just like stops and tries to throw a bounce pass, just like a little bit quicker twitch mentally of what the next play is and the turnovers will go way down. Yeah. And then Purdue against one of those like Virginia Tech or Texas teams. I think Virginia Tech would give Purdue some problems just in terms of being able to space out their bigs. Uh, and then Kevin Aluma, I think, can at least like manage Trevion Williams. I don't know if he's going to be great at it. Just but... block his behind-the-back passes. Just sit on his right arm. You know what's this is a bonus? It's going to be over the head, over the shoulder. <laughs> just stand right there. Make him go to the middle. He doesn't want yeah. to. Uh, the, the basketball nerds matchup is Murray State-San Francisco. Hate it. Here. Hate it. Hate it. Yeah, you, so you wanted to talk about this. Go ahead. Well, give, I give just like the, the metrics, the malls, the analytics, they, they're both like top 30 or so programs. They shouldn't be playing one another. They shouldn't. Like this is the classic put one of those guys against each a high major, who, whoever came fourth in the Big Ten, who came in fifth in the ACC, where that they shouldn't be uh, against one another. I, I didn't feel like that was right. Not in the first round. If, if that's like a second round potential matchup, fine, but not here. Not now. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen the matchup against different teams. Like give me like San Francisco, USC and give me, you know, like, like Murray, Murray like State if you just flip this, right. Murray state. And I don't know if they played this here. Just look at the, across the way Midwest region. If Murray state was a seven, they could have played Miami. And if USC, yeah. and then it could have done USC, San Francisco or something like that, or, or mix it with 
Ohio State, Loyola Chicago, not Loyola Chicago, but Ohio State, or break up the yeah. Michigan State Davidson want to do something like that. I, I didn't like that they're paired against one another. No, I agree. I think that's a reasonable take. I think that's definitely a reasonable take. Um, but I'm excited for that one too. That, that's going to be a good one. There's not really like a ton of prospects. Jamari Bouye and Tevin Brown are, you know, lower end, interesting guys that NBA teams want to get a look at. Uh, so, you know, th- there will be some enthusiasm, but not as much. But then those teams have to play Kentucky, and I don't see either of those teams as all that competitive with Kentucky, to be honest. No, I have Kentucky winning a couple. Yeah. Um, it's to me, it's just that like you have DJ Burns, you have Tevin Brown. I think that Murray State's really good. And I think that those two particularly like can cause problems for Kentucky on some level, but I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overrating Kentucky. Maybe I think that maybe Murray State can cause them problems. I, I've watched San Francisco more than I've watched Murray State. I don't see San Francisco being able to cause, uh, Kentucky a ton of problems. No, probably not. And I, I watched John Calipari's interview right after the selection show, and he kind of said, like, you can't look ahead because you, you get so yeah. worried about the next opponent and you get all psyched up, and then they lose. So it's like you got to just sort of live for the moment, your matchup now. Don't worry about the rest of the pod. Just worry about who you're playing today, and we'll deal with tomorrow on tomorrow. Yeah. Um, all of Baylor, UCLA, Kentucky, and Purdue – I think our real potential final four teams, like you could have told me coming into the tournament that that was my final four. And I'd have been like, look, if the matchups shake out, that makes sense. Like I, I like all four of those teams a lot. I have draft brain. I didn't realize I did this and I'm, I'm smiling as I did. I took Purdue out of this region. So that means I would have Gonzaga, Arizona, Purdue and Auburn, which means my number one, two and three on my big board would play in New Orleans, in the Final Four, to battle out for the national championship. That means and i got to probably redo my bracket. <laughs> you have draft brain? I, I do. I do. That's what I'm thinking about. That, that's why I made him win, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know who I would pick out of this region. I, I, I think I would go Kentucky. I do. I really like this Kentucky team. They have two really good guards. They have Oscar Shibway. Kellen Grady's a really great like role player, fourth option as a scorer. Jacob Toppins like turning into something really good before our eyes. Like this is this is the deepest team in this region. I think uh, is what I would say about Kentucky. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going Kentucky. I, I don't know if I feel great about it, but I, I, I also feel, think I didn't that, feel great after that. Who they lose to Tennessee in the conference uh, semifinals, yeah. right? Just was like I, it's it's so trick or treat. You don't know which Kentucky team you're going to get, and that one. Yeah. And Ty Ty's going to step up. You need Kellen Grady to make shots. He he took like I don't know four or five early. Like he he just has to be more of an impact. And I, I say what? that as I take as I take Purdue and Purdue lost today, but they they did keep it close with with Iowa until down the stretch. Yeah. So so I have Texas Tech, Kentucky, Arizona, and Auburn. In my final uh, yeah. four right now. This is the immediate post bracket. Draft, like, draft one. Yeah, draft one. Roughest of rough drafts. What do you have? Gonzaga, Purdue, Arizona, Auburn with a Tommy Lloyd revenge game final of Gonzaga and Arizona. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Yeah. I, uh, that would be incredible. By the way, both those two are phenomenal. They are, they are just the absolute best. Um, they're so good as coaches. They're so good at developing talent. Uh, I, I would love to see that. 
I have Kentucky, and I have Arizona, and I have Arizona winning the title. Yeah, good team. They they really are. I want to be right on a, a lot of my first round picks. Then after that, like I honestly, I don't care. I'm like rooting for good games. I'm rooting for chaos. I'm rooting for madness. I want to be wrong. I want to have no number one seeds. That's what makes the tournament so much fun every single year. Because you, you think you figure it out, and we say it's gonna be crazy. Then maybe like the first day, everyone feels good. Oh, I went fourteen and two. That was that was easy. The next day, they're five hundred, just hanging on for dear life, and changes by the day. It really does. Do you uh you don't want to do prospect of the week, right? We've gone for it. No, I think we just did like a hundred prospects a week. To be honest, yeah, we here. really did, did we? <laughs> yeah. Um. Movies? What have you seen? Uh, just a little bit because I was really into these conference tournaments here. I finished Pam and Tommy on Hulu. Not bad. Kind of ended abruptly. It was six episodes. Easily could have been three or four. And I watched uh, Winning Time on the Lakers on, was it HBO mm. Max? So I just watched the it? first episode. I liked it. it. It was way over the top. I think it's aiming to be way over the top. I think the other second episode's airing right now as we speak. Those are the only two things I, I watch because otherwise I was getting ready for, for this stuff. I can't do these Adam McKay projects anymore. I think, I think that's Here, like that's, what I've that's, that's the Will Ferrell in you. Like Will Ferrell's like, I'm done because you hired John C. Riley, not me. I don't think it's that. I think it's more that like I just don't – I don't like the visual style. I think it's just so – I loved his comedies. Like I love Anchorman. I love Talladega Nights. Step Brothers is great. I think the other guys is like the most underrated comedy of the last like 15 years. Wow. Okay. And I can't do it with his serious movies. I just I, don't. I have to, I have to give it a try. Someone's serious. There is some humor in it too. And I don't know which direction it's going to kind of take. Uh, but yeah. I do appreciate the, as a lifelong Celtics fan, I see a little bit of the Lakers showtime stuff though kind of went on i mean they're very clear when the show starts like this is a dramatization some of this actually did not happen some characters are combined yeah. to be one person a lot of people are gonna think it was this was the real story i don't take it that way it's just entertaining on a sunday night when i don't want to think really yeah yeah i get that like i think his movies do a good job of that i just yeah i can't i can't I, it's the the editing i think is really bad um on, on his projects like i just don't i don't love it um what have i watched let's let's pull up the old letter oh, here we go <laughs> uh, it wasn't gonna be empty here a lot it was a lot of rewatching for me i watched tinder swindler finally yeah i can't we were texting about that I, I can't do that i just don't like people being swindled i'm soft yeah and then the other four movies i watched this week were conair which just for what know. time 79 like there's no way that was a that's not what that so was, like I was the third like, time you've seen it i was super no i've seen it a dozen times at least that's an um, all that's an all-time sick day movie growing up yeah i i was not feeling well i had a super Perfect. bad headache i kind of thought that for a second that i had covid potentially and did like a rapid covid test and i didn't have it um but my brain was just like totally done and i was like Okay, yeah, Conair. This is perfect. This is exactly is, what I need. Yeah. Um, have you seen Twenty One Bridges with Chadwick Boseman? I don't think I have. I'll, I'll look up and see the box art and see if I have or not. So I saw it in theaters, and I was like, "This is fine. Like, he's great in it, but do I need 
you know, like it, no, it I I kind of a TV movie. It feels like, you know what though? I watched it on Friday night. Cause Laura went out to dinner with her friends and I was just like, holy shit, this movie plays so well on TV. This is like <laughs> anything that's perfect. like a six, 60% of Rotten Tomatoes generally plays better on TV as like a, a rewatch yeah. too. It was like amazing. It was just like, this is this fucking rules. Chadwick Boseman shuts down all of Manhattan. There are not 21 bridges. I wish there were more bridges. But yeah, I don't like, think there's 21. It's amazing. Uh, and then I watched after that, I watched Searching with John Cho again. And that movie is just fucking incredible. I love it. I know. How, so let me ask this. How do you pick what movies yeah. you watch? Like, how do you get from Con Air to 21 Bridges? Because I'll, I'll scroll Netflix. I'll scroll Hulu, Amazon Prime. If I don't find something, just like I'm going to put on another game or whatever. I, I just how does your brain get to those spots? Um, on Friday night, I wanted something that I could turn my brain off like while watching. Um, and I'd seen 21 bridges and I was like, yeah, I can do that. Like, this is, this is perfect. I wanted to rewatch it. I wanted to like, see like how it plays on TV for a while. So I popped it on and I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to have a drink and I'm going to watch fucking Chadwick Boseman chase down criminals. (laughs) that's perfect and then searching i was just like i'd wanted to rewatch searching for a while too because that came i saw that when it came out four years ago or whatever and it was great i loved it i thought it was awesome and then i watched it again uh on friday and i was like holy shit john cho is like a fucking movie star (laughs) to put him in as many things as possible oh that's beautiful just mixing in basketball and in rewatches of of conair that's what march is all about and then the the last thing i watched was haunt which is on Netflix here in Australia. I think it might be on Amazon prime in the United States. It is like a haunted house movie, like college kids go to haunted house and like mayhem ensues. They Um, run up the stairs and actually running out the door, that type of deal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This one was really well done and I loved it. Like I thought it was actually really fun. And for one of those, for what those movies are right. And how I fall on those ones is typically Laura. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Laura loves. We're, uh, we're watching this. Yeah. It, you got to give up she, the remote a little bit. I've given up the remote in the off season and I'm winding down here. I got about three weeks left and it's like, why don't you pick out a show? But with yeah. NCAA tournament and conference tournaments happening at all hours of the day, the last four or five days in a row, I was uh, dominating the TV set and the, the airwaves here. Um. I am going to have a couple of 16-hour flights back to the United States Whoa. to do Final Four, to do um, you know, a bunch of different basketball events. So books and uh, movies that you think I have not seen, please send them. Uh, please send them to me. I will. I, I am like I have probably seven books that I'm behind on. I've read I think eight books this year, and I would like to read a lot more while I'm kind of away and have all of this i've literally 32 hours of it's in, it's yeah so what do you even do do you like uh, is the, do you just lay down the seat is it overnight do you watch three movies and take a break that that's long man i mean i yeah i do the california one once in a while i flew to italy but other than that that's that's as far as i've really gone yeah, the, the 16 hour flight, you typically typically i sleep for like 6 hours but you still have 10 hours then yeah and I will try and do a little bit of work if I have an outlet. If I don't have an outlet, then I just can't really work on my laptop because it's old. This, this laptop that I use is like freaking 11 years old now. Um, and it's beautiful. It's still running, but it, you know, it, it, the battery is a disaster. Um, 
so I read a lot and I watch movies uh, on these planes and I've never done it by myself, which I will be doing this time. Typically I've done it with Laura, but you know, I, I would imagine it'll be much of the same. It's wild. And for listeners of the program, this is Sam Vecini guys. Third draft cycle together have never met each other in person. The day is actually coming. It's unbelievable. Yeah. My internet that? meeting and, uh, yeah, shaking hands if we're allowed to, I guess, and partaking in a few beverages in New Orleans. I would guess. Yeah, I don't know what's nice. going to happen, but I'd, I'd guess that's the way it would slant. Yeah. Hurricanes, uh, yeah. you know, there, there might be – I might have one hurricane. That, that's yeah. the – I will yeah, be drinking beer, but I will have one hurricane. That's how that it starts. Yeah. That's how it starts, yeah. yeah. Um, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. Uh, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vecini at YouTube. We will be back uh, later this week, probably with some NBA stuff, actually, um, before conference tournament stuff kicks in. I really want to have a conversation about MVP at some point. Um, And I think that race is just fascinating. So keep it locked here for that. And then at some point, I will probably – I don't know if I'm going to do YouTube content watching these games or not. That's actually a possibility. I don't know. We'll see. But until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.